Welcome to To Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year, a weekly devotional series based on readings relevant to the current liturgical season. While we usually broadcast our discussion live every Wednesday, during this Lenten season, we will instead broadcast a portion of the Lenten midweek services at St. Luke Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Ontario. We will resume our normal discussions during Holy Week. Thanks for tuning in, and we wish you a blessed Lenten season. The Old Testament reading is Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 19. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapters 5 and 6. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. As we enter into what may be described as some self-imposed time of deprivation, we have to understand this is a tradition observing Lent that goes back centuries in the church, and, and we think about the 40 days when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, so we have 40 days of Lent. And in reality, we don't count Sundays, so it's kind of interesting. But I say self-imposed because it is. There's nothing in scriptures that, that say, well, thou shalt observe Lent. But what a good thing to observe Lent. It's a good thing. And we have the freedom to observe or not observe Lent as, as we feel fit. But it's good to observe Lent, to take a little bit of time out and spend it with God. And prepare Prepare, not just for Easter morning, but for what comes before Easter morning, to prepare for Christ's death, to prepare to acknowledge and commemorate what he gave us, his disciples and us, what he gave us, the night before he died, a wonderful meal, what we call a sacrament, the Lord's Supper. But as we stop and consider Lent, and yes, I will get to our text eventually, but as we stop and consider Lent, we can be a little sober-minded. We can be a little concerned about the big questions of life. What happens to us when we die? Where do we go? Does God really love us that much that he sent his only begotten son? To which I'll answer with a resounding yes. But tonight before we get to our text, which is in Joel chapter 2, I think we need to set the stage a little bit by reading first Joel chapter 1. And listen to this 
harsh prophecy, this, how should I say, this almost tirade, an explanation that precedes our text, Joel chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm, and apple. All the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up from the children of man. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn down because the grain is dried up. How the beasts groan. The herds of cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. So far, chapter 1. What a description of desolation. Unreal, you say. And yet right now in Turkey and Syria, there are one million people who are homeless. Over 40,000 dead. Because of a catastrophe. And we sit here in our fine city, in a nice warm church, a beautiful place to worship God. And everything seems fine. I think it's this Friday is the 
first year anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And we're still talking about the trucker convoy, which I'm not going to get into that, except that's kind of like the worst thing that's happened in Ottawa in decades. Think about that for a minute. We don't have bombs going off down the street. Feel pretty secure, don't we? Joel chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the verses preceding our text for this evening, which I will in fact get to. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them peoples are in anguish, all faces grow pale. Like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale the wall. They march each on his way, they do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another, each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city, they run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? The day of the Lord. And yet we sit here in our comfort and think everything's fine. A tale of woe from thousands of years ago. And we pray that there will not be some catastrophe that befalls our city our province, our country, our continent. We pray that we can continue to gather to worship in safety, that we can send our children to school, that we have hospitals that we can go to when we are sick. We have paved roads, cleared streets, good government. These things we need. These are good for us. And we feel safe and secure. And in some ways, I really do want you to feel safe and secure. Not just in respect to these moments in time, but for eternity. Our text for this evening is Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. 
So all of chapter 1 and chapter 2, you get this doom and gloom, these prophecies of destruction and desolation in the day of the Lord. And, and be afraid. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. When God allows bad things to happen. And in the Old Testament read him sending his people's enemies to them to wake them up. God uses these moments. And causes them sometimes. I'm not going to try to point a finger at what God allows or what God causes. We can talk about God's concurrence, a study for another time, I assume. But nonetheless, these bad things do happen. And God calls out to us in the midst of them, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. That God calls out to us in the midst of our disasters, whether they be disasters that affect thousands and thousands or millions of people, or whether they be the disasters that affect us individually, personally, and sometimes even privately. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're suffering. So he calls out to you. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Which is kind of a strange thing. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. So there's a point where what's important is what's going on inside, not the external behaviors that we all engage in in a religious way. But isn't that what Jesus was telling us in our gospel reading for tonight? When you fast, look joyful. When you give, don't make a big deal out of it. When you pray, do it in secret. Don't stand around like the hypocrites on the street corners and the synagogues to be admired by men. They receive the reward, that being the admiration of others. But you, when you pray, go to that secret place and pray to your Father who is in secret and he will reward you. He'll hear your prayer. He will see it as something not done to gain accolades from observers, but done to communicate with him who loves you and sent his Son for you. Rend your hearts and not your garments. See, it's kind of fascinating, this, this prophecy, it's, it's, it's describing what's going to happen to a whole group of people, a whole nation of people, a whole city of people. And yet here, God is still concerned with the individual, still concerned with the person. Rend your hearts. You do that by returning to him. Return to me with all your heart.
come back in faith is what God is saying through the prophet. Return. Come back. Ah, that's the beauty and the usefulness of a season like this. Lenten season. It's a time to reconsider your spiritual life. It's a time to think about what, what is that that God wants? How am I supposed to rend my heart? Tearful repentance, sorrow over the enormity of your sin, an acknowledgement that you are not worthy to be called a child of God. Now, think about this for a minute. God is love. And God loves us enough to send his son. And yet, sin causes this great separation. And how many times have you been in a relationship or a friendship and there's been some friction? And maybe you're in the wrong. Or maybe the other person's in the wrong. So if you're in the wrong, you go to that person, you try to apologize, and they put their hand, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk to you. Or if you're in the wrong, maybe you're embarrassed. You don't want to talk to the person as they come to try to make up to you. And you stop them from talking to you. And you're living with that frustration and that pain, that anguish of a broken relationship. That's tough. And you've all felt it at one time or another. Whether it was in kindergarten with your best friend who stole your cookie. Or someone you were in love with and thought you were going to marry. Or maybe someone you did marry. Or maybe your best friend from those days in university. Or maybe one of your children. Where they won't talk to you or you're so stubborn that you won't talk to them. And you think, but I love that person and, and, and they won't listen to me. That's what's coming through our text tonight. God loves people and he wants them to listen to him. He wants them to rend their hearts, not their garments, not that outward expression of repentance. He wants it down deep. He wants you to understand you need to turn. You need to return to him. You need to stop putting him off. You need to stop marginalizing God, compartmentalizing God, sequestering God. Stop it. Let this season of Lent be a time for you to rededicate yourself to a more lively prayer life. Maybe to more faithful reading of God's word. Maybe a greater commitment to serve others. Let this time of Lent be a time for you to get out of yourself 
and look to God. Let this time of Lent be a time for you to get out of yourself and look at those around you and see how maybe you're affecting them. Let this time of Lent be a time for you to get out of yourself and see what your relationship with God is like. And to appreciate the new, the benefits of being a child of God. Benefits. Unbelievable benefits. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. He is gracious and merciful. He forgives us all of our sins. He is slow to anger. He doesn't treat us the way we really deserve to be treated. He's patient and kind and gentle. Patient, kind, and gentle. Our God is great in his love for you. Abounding in steadfast love. It's overflowing. It's always there. He's always ready to listen. He wants us to return. And you may think, well, I don't really feel like I'm far away from God. Well, good. <laughs> That's okay. But some of you might be feeling like you are a little far away from God. So return. It's always an open door. He always has his arms open. He's always willing and ready to listen to your prayers. He's quick to forgive. He loves to embrace. And he dies to forgive. Amen.